The National Cancer Institute reports that in 2020, an estimated 1,806,590 new cases of cancer were diagnosed in the United States. Furthermore, the Institute also reports that an estimated 606,520 people died from the disease last year. Rebecca Owens is on a mission to ensure that those navigating cancer know how to access the right treatment and diagnostic information which can make their journey more palatable. She's a healthcare executive with more than 20 years of helping other people navigate their cancer journey. And she has a tremendous passion for this work. She's the founder and CEO of Swelter, which empowers patients and physicians by providing them real-time data at the point of care. She's also a former elite collegiate swimmer turned successful entrepreneur, and she joined me this week to discuss how she's turned her passions and success in healthcare and entrepreneurship into a magnetic force, helping others to fight and navigate through their cancer journey, one patient at a time. I'm Kevin McShann, let's have this conversation. any opportunity I get to talk about changing cancer I am game so yeah absolutely it's an uh, important discussion so Rebecca if you're ready I'll take the uh, opportunity to formally welcome you to the program and I'm excited to talk to you this afternoon about your efforts to eradicate cancer great to be with you this afternoon and thank you for being here yeah thank you Kevin I'm excited to, to speak with you today Absolutely. So I know uh, that you've dedicated a large portion of your adult life to helping people na navigate uh, their fight against cancer. So I'm wondering if you can uh, just detail for me uh, parts of your uh, professional journey, which got you uh, to where you are today. Yeah, great. Well, I've been in cancer testing, so cancer diagnostics for 20 years. Uh, I started my career in actually selling antibodies for cancer detection. So we use antibodies just to understand, is it cancer and what kind of cancer? And that gave me a great foundational understanding of how we determine if a patient has cancer. But through my journey in, in the laboratory medicine, I began, began to realize that data was really important. And how are we going to get these very complex 
novel tests to patients sooner than the seven to 10 years on average it takes for laboratories to offer these tests more broadly to patients. And so over the last 12 years, I've really focused on data um, and how we bring that data together to better understand these types of tests and get them out. Uh, but with all of that, you know, I recognize in the last few years, and especially with COVID hitting, I recognize that patients don't really understand what testing is available to them, what even exists out there. And I've navigated, you know, a lot of patients' cancer with them, my own family, my friends. And the first thing I tell them is what tests, or I ask them, what tests were run? What determined that you have cancer? What tests maybe weren't performed that would help us better understand your cancer? And so I was doing this, you know, throughout my career anyway, and which led me to form Swelter and where I could partner with physicians and industry on this to better educate patients at the point of diagnosis about what tests might be better or might be out there for them and to ask their doctor about these types of tests or better understand what treatments are even being given to them. And so we really serve and plan to serve as this, you know, what we call like a virtual nurse navigator to help educate patients at the point of care and throughout their care. Yeah, and based on your experience and expertise, I also wanted to ask you about evolution in cancer tests. Tests, uh, tests. How do you think we've improved, and where do you think more improvements still needs to be made? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I started my career when the drug Herceptin was approved for breast cancer. And the HER2 antibody that we ran in the, in the laboratory is a protein-based test. And, you know, and that was a great example in the beginning of my journey in, in, in oncology for understanding these, you know, very targeted therapies, you know, targeted to a person's biology. And I think, you know, in my 20 years of this, we have greatly excelled in cancer detection, understanding the biology, and we had a, have a lot of modalities, um, and to your question, a lot of evolution in our understanding and capabilities. So now, you know, fast forward for all the things that we've learned out of the Human Genome Project, um, you know, we, so many great discoveries have come out of that. And now we're doing, you know, what we call genomic sequencing to understand, you know, a person's biology and, and disease. And so I think that, you know, we've made incredible evolutionary progress in the laboratory setting. Now the question is what, you know, what therapies do we have? What is really gonna work to target some of these very difficult cancers? And, you know, and that's where it takes a lot of time where we may understand some of the biology, maybe not all of it, but really the drug discovery aspect does take a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of time you know, to really get these things out to patients. So I think we're making great evolutionary progress. Well, well that's great to hear. And Rebecca, I'm also uh, fascinated to ask you about what do you uh, want people watching or listening to this to know about uh, navigating their cancer journey? Or what do uh, you want to educate people on about cancer in a more broader sense? Well. 
I like to think about things simplistically. You know, I think that because patients don't see a laboratory technician or a pathologist, we don't really understand, you know, how even the diagnosis came about. Like, how did they get to this? And how, and why are they giving me these drugs? And so I encourage people to first and foremost, always get their laboratory report, you know, and know, and even if you don't understand it, at least you have it in hand. And I, because 80% of what happens in a person's care comes from the laboratory testing. And it's not something we necessarily think about. We think about the oncologist that we're seeing, the surgeon, the imaging, and we don't really understand what's going on behind the scenes. And that's all of the laboratory testing, whether it be a biopsy, surgical procedure, blood, urine, those are all things that go to the laboratory for analysis. So I think first and foremost, patients, people need to be educated on the laboratory testing that which turned a diagnosis, their specific diagnosis. And so that's what I, I, I really you know, have strived to do throughout my career is help people understand this. And I think we have a lot of, a long ways to go for um, you know, individuals to understand this because you don't think about it until you're actually diagnosed or have a health issue. Yeah, absolutely. And Rebecca, I know you have a uh, entrepreneurial background. So how do you think that helps you in, in helping other people navigate their cancer journey? You know, uh, being an entrepreneur is being your own boss, right? <laughs> you know, I'm a boss lady. I, I, I take matters into my own hands. I'm a, I'm a former collegiate swimmer as well. And, you know, I work independently as an athlete and I've always had the own determination to take care of things myself. And so when it comes to our health or our business or our relationships, you know, it's up to us to figure that out. And that can be very challenging and scary and, and lonely at times. And it is an entrepreneurship as well. You know, every CEO that I know and female CEO that I know, they tell me it's hard, it's lonely and I get it, but you know, we have to find the answers and we have to do some of that legwork ourselves, or enlist our family or our friends to help us. And so I think that that, you know, has taught me a lot um, about, you know, navigating care and taking matters into my own hands. And I understand I may be different than others, but I think that, you know, it, 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 if you can't figure it out yourself, you enlist those people who can help you. Yeah, 100%. You know, Rebecca, I was uh, born with uh, a spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy. And I know uh, you mentioned your background as a collegiate uh, swimmer. And I know for me, uh, swimming really helps me manage my cerebral palsy. So I was also uh, wanting to ask you and excited to ask you about your uh, love for swimming and that part of your life being a collegiate swimmer because I have a passion for the pool myself. So I was curious to dive into that part of your life as well. Yeah, no pun intended, right? Dive into it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that's awesome, Kevin, that you do that because the water is very therapeutic. Uh, for many, you know, it takes the pressure off our body, you know, the gravity. 
um, you know, that, that pulls us down and being in the pool helps us float, right? And take the pressure off. And I think, you know, it stimulates the endorphins, uh, you know, all those things. So I applaud you for, for getting in the pool. Um, you know, for me, it started as, as a four-year-old and I watched my brother swim and it was hot in Arizona. And I said, I wanted to get in the pool and do what he did. So, um, you know, and I had, a, I had a passion for it and a drive for it, but I, I think maybe underneath all of that is I have a desire to win. And when it comes to swimming, you know, it's only you, you, you know, you have no team to really help you out when you're in the pool and in the race. And and it's just yourself. And so I could control that, you know, how, how much I wanted to excel, how much I wanted to train, what I wanted to give to the sport. Um, you know, and as an adult, I think it's, it's, I reflect on it when you're doing it and you're just solely focused on winning as a kid, you don't realize all the things that are really going on. And now as an adult, I see what it's taught me. It's taught me discipline, um, it's taught me, you know, uh, how to think outside the box because I had a lot of time in the water. You know, I, I swam for 19 years and that's a lot of time alone to think. So uh, it helped me to think and not cloud my brain um, and work through things. So it was very therapeutic, um, you know, to work through all my thoughts and, and things that were going on in my life. And I still feel that way. And, and when, I, when I'm getting stressed out, I go get in the pool. Um, because I, it's alone time and I, and I, and I get that therapy session alone to think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I use it as a stress reliever myself. So as a former athlete, I'm, I'm uh, with, with the Olympics starting today. I'm curious to know if you're going to watch any of it this year. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I always struggled with watching it because I was really close, you know, to, Olympic trials and, and at that, you know, at that level. And um, so for years, I had a hard time watching the Olympics. And now through maturity, I, I applaud these athletes. And, and it's just an incredible amount of dedication and effort to get there. And I understand that. So I will watch. Uh, I, I know some people that were in the Olympic trials. So that was awesome to watch some of my former uh, um, colleagues, my, my former um, teammates and their kids now participating in the Olympic trial. So it's, it's exciting. It's, uh, I will be watching. Yeah, it's a shame that there'll be no fans in the stands, huh? Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, that's a lot for Tokyo to spend on the, the arena. I think they spent over a billion billion dollars and no no nobody can watch right so i know it's so you know i i i kind of i i didn't laugh because it's not funny but i laughed and i made a joke that says you know well swimmers we don't hear them anyway so <laughs> and they can be a distraction you know when you're when you're self-committed to winning uh like that uh you don't need the fans to boost you but i do feel bad for all the athletes where thriving, you know, and their performance really that, that, um, you know, audience really, you know, enhances their performance and they thrive on that. So I do feel for all the athletes that don't get the full experience of the Olympics because the fans aren't there. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about Squelter now. They come in and you run. I, I know that uh, you're very passionate about it. So I'm wondering if you can tell me sort of about the micro and macro uh, uh, mission of the, co uh, the company. 
Yeah, um, great question, micro and macro. Okay, so we are a uh, new startup company, but you know, my colleagues and I have been at this for 20, 25 years, you know, whether it be in engineering or like myself in testing clinical data, et cetera. So we've, we've built various solutions and run several initiatives uh, in this space. So, you know, ultimately we know that patients need this kind of solution, which motivates us to deliver something very quickly to the market and to clinicians and patients uh, to really help with the understanding of, of biomarker cancer testing and treatments, uh, targeted therapies, et cetera, these new treatments that are available. So, you know, we, we, we just have to get going. We are getting going. We're working on several partnerships right now and building our platform. So, you know, first things first. And, you know, I tell people we, we have a great company, but we're in build mode. Um, but at a macro level, when we get there, you know, and in, in then I say in the next one to two years even, um, you know, want to, to, to see that all patients are on our application, all people that are dealing with cancer, you know, across the U.S. and then into other countries. And, and that's purposeful because there are data restrictions and things in other countries like Europe or Canada, Australia, et cetera, that have data privacy laws that we'll have to contend with. But um, that at the at the macro level, that that all patients of all backgrounds dealing with cancer will have the opportunity to learn about their own specific disease, and that they'll be on our platform. So, you know, when we get this out, um, I believe the technology will speak for itself, and we will be able to partner with most clinicians on deploying our application. So. You know, that's a very high level description of that. Um, but, you know, the engineering is, is quite unique in the space. There are a lot of what we call patient engagement applications out there that require patients to input a lot of information where we think that patient engagement, you know, what we call it is patient immersion. And immersion means that I'm going to teach you the language of your disease, like you would learn if you went to a foreign country, right? There will no way you, you can learn that language unless you're immersed in it. So we take the approach of your clinical data in partnership with the physicians and your, you know, uh, informed, you know, consent that we are pushing education directly to you based on your clinical record. So, you know, for example, my significant other is a stage four cancer survivor. He had, state, he had melanoma at the age of 38. It was all over his body. There were things that were done and tests that were run that he knew nothing about. And if it, our application existed, it would explain to him, one, what is melanoma? What is a targeted therapy? What is chemotherapy? What is a BRAF genome, genomic alteration? What are all these things the doctors are talking to me about that I'm absolutely confused? And not only that, I'm just in fear of my life. So we take the approach of your own unique clinical record and we drive education to you based on that information, especially even as it changes and evolves in your care. Um, things always change almost on a daily basis in cancer care. So you know this, this is something that we know that we can be highly effective um, and I, we think our approach is quite unique. And so therefore, um, 
I, I foresee that we would not only be a national product platform, but that we would be a global uh, entity. Well, thanks so much for uh, sharing that and for all your hard work in eradicating cancer. And I'm curious to ask you also about what success or victory looks like for you when we come, when we talk about eradicating cancer. What does uh, success look like for you, whether it be through technology or therapeutics, or what does success look like for you, you in the fight against cancer? That's such a big question. You know, I, I do think about this daily. I was asked the same thing yesterday and success for us would look like even in, at the micro level that 80% of patients are on this application and learning about their disease. Um, eradicating cancer, I think it's a, it's a combined approach. You know, it's, it's we need the therapies. We need the testing to identify the best therapies. We need the clinicians, you know, who are who are seeing a lot of patients a day. We need the research. We need everybody on the same page. And there's a lot of disparate and brokenness, I think, in, in the communications and the way in which we approach care at the, you know, at the practice level. And it's not a blame. It's just the situation. We have a we have a lot of things we're dealing with. And so I think one technology will help facilitate now, you know, how to bring some of this, you know, very important information together so we can better understand it uh, for research, helping to better identify patients and teaching patients about clinical trials so that we can, you know, facilitate clinical research more quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna take a lot, I think, to eradicate cancer, but I'm hopeful, I'm very hopeful that you know, in my lifetime, that we really can start to treat patients. Uh, you know, we talk about treating uh, cancer as a chronic disease. And, you know, I, I want a cure. I think everybody wants a cure. I don't want a chronic disease and live with that the rest of my life. And, and so I think we can get there. I think that we can get to the place that we treat it as a chronic disease. And I think eventually we can get to that eradicating cancer, but we all have to come together in a more seamless way. Yeah, it's so, uh, everybody on deck mission for sure, absolutely. Yeah. And Rebecca, I know that you have uh, five kids and two grandkids, so I, I don't know where you find all the time to do all the great stuff that you do, but- yeah. um, you did your homework, Kevin. How did you know that? <laughs> well, it helps to do research before an interview, doesn't it? Wow, I'm impressed. So uh, I'm wondering uh, what sort of a legacy you want to leave for your family and what sort of an example did you want to set? Wow. Um, you just made me get emotional, Kevin. Um, I want my kids to know I did my best, you know, that I, that I gave my hand in one of the most complicated diseases. And I gave everything I had to eradicate it. And I've lived my whole career. I actually told my mom at the age of 10 that I was gonna be involved in cancer care. And I had no idea what I was saying, but obviously I had a premonition about it. And um, I work every day. 
alongside patients, alongside people um, to really deal with this awful disease. So I want my kids to know I did my best. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to tell you, you're off uh, to a noble start. So I commend you for all the great uh, work and research and conversations that you've had in, in order to uh, join in this fight. And I'm also uh, finally curious to ask you if people want to get connected with you, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn I'm on there every day looking and answering to things. And so I'm on LinkedIn. And um, also, I'm always open emails. It's R-E-B-E-C-C-A at swelter, S-W-E-L-L-T-E-R.com. And then also our website is www.swelter.com. Hey, Rebecca, I really uh, uh, appreciate our consequential conversation about this important topic. I want to commend you for all the great work that you've done in your efforts to eradicate cancer. And I want to thank you uh, for joining me uh, this afternoon. Your time, efforts, and expertise on my behalf are most appreciated. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. This was a fantastic conversation. And I'm glad that we had we had the opportunity to have it. Thank you for your time.